morning, everyone. We have uh, some beautiful change in our weather after last Sunday when it was, uh, I think I saw 30, I know I've seen 35, but I might have seen 37 on the way here, 37 below that is, a couple of different times as I dipped through some hills. But let us open our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. All right, well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, your precious promises, through which we come to know you, obey you, and love you. We thank you for revealing yourself. And as Peter said, that we didn't follow cleverly invented stories when they told us about you, but they were eyewitnesses, God. So we're reading the accounts of the eyewitnesses who walked with you, talked with you when you were here on earth. Jesus, we're just thankful for what you accomplished in fulfilling the Father's will and bearing our sin, going to the cross. Pray that you would give us Open hearts, open ears, open the eyes and hearts of our understanding that we might know you more and we might see the life we've been called to in walking with you. And we just thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we're looking at the first 11 verses of 2 Peter chapter 1, and we are starting on our journey of these seven characteristics that we add to our faith. So if you would follow along as I read just these first 11 verses, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through faith who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective, and unproductive knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, 
He is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. So we have been looking at this passage for a little while. And maybe um, it's time to add some more understanding to it. And that's what we're going to attempt to do. So one of the things I'm trying to understand and teach myself as I look at a passage of scripture like this is to ask myself some questions. So I have a, a list of questions I just want to throw out there so that when you're coming to the passage, you would say you might be thinking about some of these things because here's the, here's the last thing you want to happen. Okay. The last thing you want to happen is what happens. You would read the passage and you would go away unaffected, unmoved, unchanged, unchallenged. Or somebody would, you would, somebody would challenge you, they'd speak to you, and you would be excited for a moment, and then you would walk away and forget you ever heard what they told you. And so you go to the passage, and it's about your search and about the application of the truth of the passage to your life and your heart. And what it's going to do, the Word of God is living and active. And what's it going to do in you? So if you were asking questions, you would say, when we're looking at verse 5 specifically and what it leads to, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So then you might ask yourself some questions. You might say, well, what's worth adding and what effort am I putting toward anything? And if I was to evaluate my efforts, would the things that I'm putting effort to be faith builders or would it just be fluff builders? Would it be building character in my life and substance in my life and things that I'm going to need in the journey? Because if you don't know this by now, you will learn it that you and I need to develop a worldview, a biblical worldview that sustains us in the normal, everyday brutality of life. And brutality, I don't mean just that you're going to be going through some hard times physically, but that you might be complacent. Can you imagine any more... <laughs> troubled situation than if a person makes it to 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, and they're just complacent. Their life isn't adding value to another person's life. And we'll talk about that as we go on, but asking questions, what's worth my effort? What builds a life of substance? Where should I put my best energy? Where should I put my best time? Where should I put my best thoughts and where should I focus my highest interests? What characteristics ought to make up my life? I mean, I'll tell you, I can guarantee that I don't know if that thought ever entered my mind before I was 30 years old. What kind of person ought I to be? And what characteristics characteristics ought to mark my life. I got the brotherly kindness. I got the love. You know, I got this down. That would be just absolute arrogance and ignorance. And it's how much I feel 
of myself, but it's whose life is becoming fuller because Jesus is loving them through me. So that's the right question. It's not how you are. It's how the people around you are being filled because Jesus is filling them through you. That's what these qualities are for. They're to move through us. Whose life is increasing because I'm pouring into them the things that God has been pouring into me. In our own strength and our own ability by ourselves, we can't produce one of these things. Spiritual characteristics of God. The character qualities of God, they come from participating in His nature. These are things, and they're the work of God in our lives as we trust Him, worship Him, love Him. These things are what God produces in our lives by His Holy Spirit. So if God is in our lives, it's not like He's Peter's telling us, okay, roll up your sleeves and get busy because you've got a lot of work to do. Yes, you do. But he's saying, roll up your sleeves because God as a resource is available to you to tap into because you are in need. If we were attempt to make every effort to add these things to our life without God, it leads to self-righteousness. It leads to pride and arrogance. It leads to legalism. It leads to empty shells looking good on the outside, but having nothing when the rubber meets the road and people around us are in need. And they're in need of these things. They're in need of the character of God. And we'd be arrogant and proud and rude and self-seeking if we didn't recognize our need for them. And the person who knows no need needs no grace. But the, her, the person who's most aware of their need is the person who's going to be most available to grow and most aware to grow in their walk with God. So the connection, just quickly as I close, the connection last week between the good in Genesis 1 that we talked about Tove, Tove, but not yet Tove. The same idea is carried over, and these connections between Tove and Arate are found in the definitions that the Greeks understood of virtue. To be when something or someone was used in, or was living in a way that complemented its design, that was served for its purpose. A fork was virtuous when it brought food to the mouth. A carpenter is virtuous when he builds things that last. A horse is good if it can carry a rider. A board is good if it can use to build a house or a bridge. So upon inspection of anything every day, every day when you inspect things, you're looking for things of substance. You're looking for things that are according to what's necessary. And they're living up to what they're intended to do. And you'd say upon inspection. We often use this expression. Oh, this is no good. Oh, this one is really good. What do we mean? We mean it's useful. And a human being is supposed to be useful for the master's hand to love other human beings 
and useful in the master's hand to point other human beings who are hungry and thirsty and lost to the one that's found them. So we point to Jesus. That's when we're functioning properly through worship and praise and self-sacrifice and living. That's when a human being is functioning properly. It's interesting at home. One of our favorite cooking pots right now is missing the handle. The handle broke off, but it wasn't the handle that made the pot useful. What made the pot useful is I could hardly burn stuff in it. It's just the bottom is so right, and it, it holds stuff. So we, we make the willing use of the tool, even though maybe we could put a handle on there with some duct tape, but it wouldn't quite work. But the pot is useful, and it, we don't compare it to other pots. That pot serves its purpose. So you need to stop and I need to stop comparing ourselves to other people and other virtue in their lives. You've been designed. You've been fletched like the arrow to fly a certain way in God's purposes. And you need to be asking yourself, and you know what? The beauty of it, here's the beauty of it. It can only happen as you seek him. No one else can tell you. You have to get on your knees. You have to walk with God and you say, Father, am I in the right place? Am I heading in the right direction? He is big enough to gently correct you if you're paying attention. And then you have a repentant, humble heart and you continue to you go on to this next thing. And the Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. So that's an overall, that's a good thing. That's a virtuous thing. Do whatever your hand finds to do as unto the Lord rather than unto men. So you go and you do it, and then you ask him, Lord, how did the, how'd the day go today? Did we enjoy each other? Are we growing? Are we fulfilling the purpose that you intended me to fulfill? And you need to ask yourself, if you think it's just about good deeds, what makes a deed virtuous? Does motive matter? What if I come over, help you work on your house, and I'm only there so I can manipulate you, earn your favor and your trust so that I can deceive you? Does motive matter in deeds? Does timing matter? If you're like me, my wife invites me every once in a while to participate in something around the house like chores, dishes, and I'm learning, you know what, timing matters. Four days later, we're taking a trip to Bemidji today because the four times I was in Bagley this week, I forgot to get salt for the salt softener. And I'm thinking, timing matters, Chris. You could save yourself 80 miles and time, but we're going to turn it into a date to go pick up salt. Right, honey? Does how we do something matter? Does how you do something matter? Are you just about getting it done any old way you can get it done? No, that's not good. That's not virtuous. Peter says later on in his book, this is how we ought to live. Living according to how we ought is virtuous living. That's goodness. That's tov. 
as we close, Tim, can you put the, the, the man up there one last time, the stick man? Fully clothed. This is uh, all these characteristics you would find in God himself displayed in Jesus' life as he walked on earth. And Jesus says, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. What do you think his intention is? His intention is not us having some more information, but us having transformation. That we would become like God. We would become like Jesus. That um, we would be transformed into his likeness. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to continue to grow. And we look forward to six more characteristics that we want to add to our faith. Along with goodness. Pray that you would help us, Father God, to recognize that you are available, that you've made yourself available through the sacrifice of your son. We ask that you would continue to call us to add to our faith, invite us, expect of us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.